Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lines across the NFL, three narratives were not buying as long-term narratives for the league this year. That's in about 15 minutes. Plus, we will uh, hit some Titans headlines as they prepare for the Houston Texans. Titans sit at 8-2 and two atop the AFC right now. College football headlines to begin the hour. Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Um, let's start with Michigan State. Uh, according to the Detroit Free Press, Michigan State and Mel Tucker are working on a 10-year, $95 million contract extension to keep him with the Spartans instead of allowing him to test the waters of Louisiana State University and LSU. It's amazing what the LSU lure or the SEC lure can do for a coach uh, who's very good in uh, first year at, at Michigan State. They're doing some great things with Mel Tucker, and he's about to be heavier in the wallet because of it, uh, because he's one of the hot names right now uh, with uh, several openings out there. Yeah, well, certainly they have to feel more threat than LSU. You can't let one job prompt you into uh, where, where there's a big, long LSU's list. LSU's about to get a lot of people a raise, <laughs> yeah. is what I'm, well, the, what I'm a raise. Mel Tucker is about to become the highest-paid coach in the Big Ten. That's what this will do. Think about that. That's Which, pretty extraordinary. I, I understand mean, the current demand for the season they're having. But, but Ryan that's also, Day should that's, be the highest paid ridiculous. coach. That's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan Day should be the highest paid coach. Um, here's with, another with some room. Quite frankly, here's a, speaking of a lot of money. Uh, there's another report from the Volume Sports. This is from the J Boy Show. This is a which you all know. I mean, I love. guess it's a you know this seems legit. He's got twenty eight thousand followers. followers. It's an actual show. Uh, he is reporting, and he said, I, "I watched the video." He says. You know, I, I've, I was in the coaching world. I have a lot of friends in coaching, and a very reliable source is telling me that LSU has offered Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley an eight-year, $96 million contract. He goes on to say that part of the story that no one's talking about within the story of all these coaching moves is that these coaches can take whoever the heck they want with them. They can do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> and <laughs> Jacob Swanson laughed at that reference. Um, and Caleb Williams would go with him to LSU, among others, the quarterback at Oklahoma, if he took this job. I think that's uh, putting more, a lot of things into more. one report, right, from one source saying that. Yeah, but they, exactly. Not just Caleb Williams. Other players at Oklahoma would just follow him to LSU and go play right away at I LSU. Know this, I'm going to sound naive here. But Lincoln Riley got his big break from Oklahoma. Got his uh, uh, big break from Bob Stoops. Right, Bob Oklahoma. Stoops leaves. Yeah. He gets promoted. He's a nobody, right? And, and turns it into a good thing. <clears throat> if he leaves for this contract, that's, that's business as business is done. But if he then takes half the team with him, I feel like you're, uh, you, know, you really screw over the university that gave you. You, you got to leave something behind. You got to leave a, a shot. That's going to change then the rules about the transfer portal. Uh, I, I, I think would this think. is also this is an unintended consequence. Of we we talked portal. about this yeah. with anything. 
You know, NIL, there's going to be unintended consequences. Transfer portal, while it's mostly good, there's unintended consequences. This is one of those unintended consequences of... I'm taking my team with me. We do all these things about... It's about the student-athlete, ultimately. So we do things for the student-athlete. It's not about the coaches. Coaches shouldn't get all the benefit. But this is a storyline where I see it's the coach getting the benefit. The coach is getting $96 million to leave, screw over one university, and not only that... They get to take whatever player they want after selling that player on the previous university and program. It's also stupid money season because LSU, if, if per the report, eight years, ninety six million. Yes, this coming from a university that just fired a national championship winning head coach from two years ago, and is is you know, I don't know about the buyout for for Ed O, um, but imagine the buyout money that they're willing to pay Oklahoma. <laughs> To then get because because uh, Lincoln Riley's getting eight million a year whatever right now at Oklahoma whatever it costs so and, and meanwhile Mel Tucker after one year is about to become the highest paid coach he's the fourth or fifth highest paid coach right now in the Big Ten um, he makes around five which is yes more than Mike Vrabel um, and he makes around five million. He's about to make more than James Franklin. James Franklin right now, I believe, is the highest paid coach of the Big Ten, making a, a little over $7 million a season. After 2-8 and eight and 6-4, and four, which we were so talking about my, earlier. My point there is these, these programs are willing to hire and then fire, pay the buyout, and the coach essentially gets paid to fail. How can you not take this money? Because even if you fail, you're going to make millions upon millions yeah. of dollars. Set forever. Generations and generations. Well, so Nick Saban in his new contract averages ten point six million a year. He's the highest paid coach in football, and rightfully so. He's the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, he's underpaid. Yeah, you could make that argument, but now you're gonna. I, I just I don't like when the market dictates making moves that make no rational sense. Right, right. So now now we're gonna pay twelve million a year to Lincoln Riley over a million more a year than Nick Saban just because LSU wants to flex a muscle and go get a coach who's won a lot but has yet to win a national title? Makes no sense. It also makes no sense for a university that's under a Title IX investigation and that currently employs Will Wade, who, by the way, probably will end up being fired with more of this FBI stuff coming out eventually. I think they're going to have no choice at some point. They held out as long as they could. Um, But, I mean, it just... I, I'm I'm no Pollyanna pie oh, in the sky guy about college sports and the embitterment of the student athlete and it's not just about wins it's about turning young people into better people and it's about academics and everything else but could a school just spit in the face of that idea more than LSU right now? Who did you just say was the highest? I mean they're firing Ed Ogeron so Ed Ogeron doesn't speak in the Title IX investigation right and they're paying him the full buyout so if. They could easily fire Ed Ogeron for cause. They won't because they know that would open them up to discovery if Ed Ogeron fought it. And then they'd have to go fully into, well, why was he fired for cause? And when they get into that, they open themselves up more for this Title IX lawsuit going on at LSU. Who did you just say was the highest paid? Nick Saban. At what? I think 10.7. Okay, so... 10.6 million is the latest contract... That he signed, he's going to average over the life of it ten point six. We've million. made quite a game. Hutton has these numbers out of like who's who makes more than Mike Vrabel and things like that. Sportico <clears throat> came out with a list. I think today or I saw it last night. It's a subscription site. I don't have a subscription, but they have the twenty five highest paid coaches in U.S. sports. I don't know if this updates what you've been working off. 
it, it the the share is just three. Belichick at eighteen, Pete Carroll at fourteen, Sean Payton at fourteen. Fourteen. So they're the making f- NFL. Yeah, fourteen yeah, a year. Because we were just saying how Mel out of colleges. Oh, uh, not only would he be the number one highest paid in Big Ten, Mel. This would, and again, there will be other contracts this off season. Mel Tucker by this extension, by this rework deal after one year, would be second in the country behind Nick Saban on annual salary in college. Mel Tucker. Yeah, that's crazy. At Michigan that, State. It's too small a, a, a resume. Well, and it's, short, and it's resume. all because he's mentioned. He was mentioned back in October by Bruce Feldman, and I do believe that LSU is interested in him. Um, but they're interested in a lot of people. I also think there's there's up. Uh, the is LSU going to pay him ten million a year? Uh, I don't know. Here's the thing about LSU, right? There's been no singular name. We've heard from a lot of people. We've heard Mel Tucker. We've heard that they're really going to storm after Jimbo Fisher, which Lincoln seems to have died down. Now we're hearing Lincoln Riley. So it seems likely that, that they're willing to go a couple different directions because they could have a lot of different guys. But we've not heard this laser-focused thing that they're hell-bent on getting one person. Which, like you said, means a lot of guys but, are going to get raises. But, Chad, think about it from this perspective. I mentioned the LSU where you can go and fail and still get paid. Mel Tucker can get paid $9 million a year and practically succeed every year. And I mean, fail. What, and, and, tell me what success is at Michigan State compared to LSU. Yeah, and he's going to make LSU uh, money. Uh, big Six Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's competing it's at the top of the Big Ten East. No. But the expectation is never going to be to win it consistently. Like it is right. at Ohio State or even at Michigan. Go to the Rose Bowl. It's be slightly less than that. I mean, and that's once every two three years. Of, I mean, again, yeah, I, I, two I'm out just of five years, throwing two out stuff out. It's, just, it's very uncomfortable to me that, and again, that $10.7 million that Saban's making, he signed this contract in August and it runs through 2028. So it's eight years, $84.5 million that he's making through 2020. It's Already just undervalued. now starting, right? So now the next contract's going to be Lincoln Riley for nine years and making more than him. You know, I here's another example. How could anybody T- justify Tennessee, paying more Tennessee than him? could have had James Franklin a year ago for nine to ten million dollars a year. James Franklin's not worth nine to ten million dollars a year. I don't blame Danny White for saying, no thanks. I'd rather pay Josh Heupel four and a half and see how he does, and then pay him if it dictates okay. it. No, it looks good now. Then pay him. Which could be a story if this but if this story's true. There's a lot of people who would say Tennessee's an idiot. If they have the money for just not paying James Franklin, if he's your best option, right, right. even if it's more than double what you're paying another coach. But well, never mind, never mind the uh, which you're right you, about. You a lot of guys, pay to win. a lot of guys getting a raise just off this opening. Yes. But if he gets this deal, how many, you know, the deals that I love, uh, 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 a raise for no reason happen? How well, many guys walk into their AD's office and say, "Hey, hey, hey"? But that, but that happens because of the threat of losing your coach. So Josh Heupel, let's say Oklahoma's open. You better believe oh, yeah. Josh Heupel's name is going to be mentioned. His agent will put it out there, yeah. and, and rightfully get, so. And after and, and Josh a solid Heupel, first year, he's, yeah, I mean, a very, very good first year. He he will end up getting a raise as well because that's just the price of doing business in it's high-powered crazy college business. Look, I, I, it's I think a crazy Josh Heupel's going to get a raise even after this one year, regardless. I don't think it's going to be an astronomical one. Well, it will if but Oklahoma he's, comes calling. He's going to, yeah, he could be, and that's what it's just it's a crazy business. It, it's I thought Heupel hated coaches, Oklahoma. coaches. He does. But you can love again, Hutton. You can always love again. There, you're you always, love. You you're always, you're always two phone calls away from being made whole. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. A booty Even call. if you hate someone, if you it's hate like, the booster that didn't back you, Oklahoma you hate someone administration. Hey, you up? Where'd you get that? If someone, you're always you're hey, only you two up? phone calls away from being made whole. Is that somebody? I just or is came. That yours? I just came up with that. That's pretty good. But it's true. I mean, in always almost any relationship, phone, I'm trying to think of people that I have. Well, think with. of any any organization that's wronged you. If, the, from being made if the right people called and <laughs> no. got on hand and knee no. and said, I, I immediately thought, he, he says I'm an exception. Chad, I immediately thought, is he two calls away from John Rich? No. No, that's true. But that's it you. doesn't apply there. You're not normal when it comes to that. <laughs> All right, so this, you, I'm an exception to this You rule. can hold a grudge longer than most, but most humans, if you get the right two calls most and they humans. come in on hand and, hand and knee apologizing and saying I was wrong and that's been proven over time, you'd be fine. Most you'd, humans. you'd consider it. Most humans, not Paul. Yeah, if John Rich was calling with $92 million on the line, Paul's answering that call. I might move back into my old house. They're best friends. <laughs> I can move back in my house. You could house. buy his house. Yeah, back in Love Circle. <laughs> Suddenly, Paul celebrates his entire catalog. Guys, <laughs> guys, come on over to Love Circle. I'm closer to Paul closer comes to work. in singing Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy instead of I Love the Cocaine. <laughs> I could get to work. I could get to work you know in five minutes. You know the song that really gives me energy? John Rich's entire catalog. <laughs> I love the horse, cocaine. Ride a cowboy. I love that John Rich. Don't, um, don't clip that. <laughs> It's just Send that to him. It's I just insane what, what's going to happen. And also, Mel Tucker, I'm sorry, but he's not earned that much money. No. But it's, just, it's no a ridiculous market. I mean, we can, we can spend shows on this about how ridiculous the college coaching market is and how these coaches just, it's so out Mel of Tucker, whack. Mel Tucker They're going to get whatever they want. Just looking at this list, Mel Tucker will be, uh, he will make more money per year than Mike Tomlin. I would like to read... Mike Tomlin, who's never had a losing season as a head coach in the NFL. So here's, here's interesting what if. Um, the AD at Cincinnati that hired Luke Fickle is now the AD at USC. How much is Luke Fickle wor- worth to USC as opposed to Cincinnati? And what does that bidding war look like? And is, it cheaper is Luke than, Fickle's it's, agent going to come in and James say, Franklin. I want $9 million a year? Well, it's cheaper or than $8 million a year? Is that worth it for Luke Fickle? Well, I say isn't no. That, isn't that really why we will always be in this cyclical top program conundrum where a team like Cincinnati can't keep their coach because a bigger brother comes calling or a big donor comes I, calling? Again, I think uh, these are all the things you have to weigh. I think James Franklin would do better at USC than Luke Fickle would do at USC. But do I want to pay James Franklin $8 million a year if I can get Luke Fickle for five? No. I'm going Luke Fickle for five. Here's a story I want to read. And people From, are going to say, well, you're cheap if you're doing that, and uh, that's not, no, that's not how you do business football. Very but I'm saying, I'd rather take that chance right. and be the guy who hired Luke Fickle who immediately turns things better around for five, and if he wins, okay, if... The NFL comes calling, I'm willing to play ball. It also tells you how big these budgets are, where they just don't care about losing. They don't care about losing the money if they fail. They just go get the next highest paid coach. Eventually, the bubble will burst. And really? it, 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 there's going to be a reset. There always is. I hope there is. Here's At a, some point, the bubble's going to burst and things are going to come down. Here's a story I want to read. I don't know about that because there's always rich people in the SEC that will be willing to pay. They'll pony up on behalf of the university. They are the owner of the program. Then eventually, it comes back to the discussion we had in the offseason. They're going to have to start cutting some sports. Because these rich people are going to want to fund football. And that's it. And these athletic directors have to balance a budget for every sport. So if they're not getting donations for every sport, see a softball, see a volleyball, see a rowing. We're only spending money on football because that's the price of doing business. Here's the story I want to read. Because we say all the time there's nothing comparable to college football. But I suspect there's, 
something comparable about the CEOs that we read about with golden parachutes and all mm. of that stuff, right? Uh, people getting out of places like Hal Burton and, uh, and stuff like that when it falls apart. I'd like to read like a big Wall Street Journal piece or buy somebody like that that understands business comparing college football coaches and the buyouts and all of that getting paid to fail with like big, big business CEO types. Cause I think that's the only potential place where there's something similar. And I don't know anything about it. I'd love to somebody to compare it for me. I I would love that. I would also say I, I contradict myself a bit because I do think you're, you coaches are being paid to fail. I also am a believer that you have to spend money to make money. And with that being said, you have to spend money if you want to win. But you could do it more wisely than they're doing it. There are only a handful of top coaches that I think any program program can hire, and they'll come in and win you a national title or be in contention for a national title. But there's a difference between spending money to make money and burning money in an effort to make money. Well, it's why I find the Scott Frost and Jim Harbaugh stories actually refreshing. Because here are two men who said, it's not all about the money. It's not all about the money to me. Scott Frost took a pay cut and lessened buyout to get a chance to come back and make things right. That is all the matter. Well, to me, those stories are about their universities also. But uh, he could have easily said, that's even more so. He let his buddies out there to go because he wanted to prove himself. He could have easily, if you have the the idea that everything is about money, then Scott Frost listens to his agent, takes the most amount of money in the buyout, says, screw you to Nebraska, you're paying me every dime, and he goes and makes money somewhere else and continues to make buyout money for the next 10 years. Instead, he said, I'm betting on myself, we're going to win next year, we're close, and I'm going to come back and make more money in the long haul. And Jim Harbaugh did the same thing. Jim Harbaugh does not have an agent, by the way. To me, those stories are also about the schools that finally say, hey, listen. Well, it's also we're, about we're them. Way, it's we've way overpaid you here. It's not happening anywhere For what else. we're getting. We exactly. need to scale back or get out. And they're smart enough. They weren't smart enough on the front end, but they're smart enough on the back end to try to tamp it down. More schools need to do that. Coming up. The reckoning. We get into the NFL narratives. We hit this a, a bit yesterday with how much yeah. they've changed since August to now and how it's coming back around full circle with where we were at the end of August, where everyone thought Kansas City was going to be really good. And all of a sudden, everyone now says, oh, Kansas City is back. Kansas City now atop the AFC West. Is that the way it's going to be? We're going to look into the future, the crystal ball for a moment, and we're going to give you three things that we think will end up happening, what we hope happens, versus three things that are happening right now that we're simply not buying over the next month and a half. That's next on Outkick 360. We once had a caller years ago who said, you guys use the word narrative too much. Outkick 360 rolls on. Use a thesaurus. <laughs> every, time I, every time I've said the word since, I think of this woman. She has it, wasn't, it wasn't Titan power. Woman or Dixie. Dixie's back, by the way. Remember we had the English? Back where? She's on Twitter. She's back on she Twitter. followed us today. Dixie Lynn. Yep. She is back. I almost swore hey, Dixie. Like Lo- internet love, in Arkansas you, love you, now. Dixie. Internet's a big place, Dixie. Um, So narratives, three narratives that we are not buying that are true right now that we're not buying moving forward. Uh, And then we'll get to some things that we're actually hoping to see by the end of December. Paul, you want to kick things off with what you're not buying right now across the league? What I am not buying um, across the league. I love Joe Burrow. 
and uh, Justin Herbert. Justin? I blanked on his first yeah, name. Yeah, Justin Herbert. You ever look at it and you're like, that's not right. <laughs> um, I love them both, but they are playing for cooling teams. Herbert, uh, just two games ago, threw for 356 yards and two touchdowns. He's got a 96.3 passer rating. Joe Burrow, take away his last game, three games before that, he threw for nine touchdowns in, in three games. He's got a 102.6 rating. I love them both, but their teams are dropping off. There's not enough around these two guys, and I want to buy Cincinnati, and I want to buy the Los Angeles Chargers, but neither of them are going to ultimately do much damage. There are too many holes in their teams around them. Of those two, which one do you think has the potential to fall completely out of the postseason? Chargers because they can't defend the run, and you've got to be able to defend the run. Like That's a prerequisite for success. What? See, I, I, I think it's Cincinnati. I don't want it to be. I think it's Cincy uh, because of the fact that they are so banged up right now at what they do well, and that's the run game. Mixon's yeah. coming back, I think, this week. Or they, and they're, they may be coming off a bye. I love both but, those guys, and I think both those teams are good teams to look at in 2022. So uh, there, there is a narrative right now. And there may be playoff teams, by the way, because there's, there's a lot of room. Yeah. But I, they're the not going team. on runs. Uh, there, there's a narrative right now that – Despite what we've seen, the Buffalo Bills are still the most talented team in the AFC. Like there, there are some that will argue they would still pick the Bills. And in Vegas right now, uh, I believe the Bills are like plus 200, 250, something like that, which are the best odds on any team to win the AFC. So Vegas is trying to get you to pick someone else too. I contend that the Bills are not built for the postseason uh, based on what I'm seeing right now from Buffalo. And they do not have a back that they can turn around and hand the ball to. To start the season, they tried to stay more balanced because they were preaching balance all off season. They had double-digit carries in the first four games for Singletary. He had, uh, and, and now since the first four first month of the season, six carries, five carries, seven carries, six carries, seven carries. They don't want to run the football because they can't. It's a mentality. It's a it's a it's a statement from the offense and up front. They can't do that. Josh Allen, in the meantime, has not been while he played well this past week against the Jets. He has not been the Josh Allen we thought he would be to start the year. Um, therefore, I, I don't see the Bills as built for the postseason like everyone else does. I, I think they are just another team just like the AFC. Um, so if, if they get hot at the right time, it's going to be because they found their run game, not because Josh Allen made up for what is a very bad run game. I I, I like where you're headed there, I, I, I think. But... They are 10th in rushing yards and 8th yeah. in rushing it, average. Their so quarterback is that? their leading yeah. rusher. Because, because of Josh of Allen. Their quarterback is their leading rusher. It is tough to win in January when your quarterback is your leading rusher. Yeah, I'd agree with that. When you can't turn around and hand it off in a playoff game uh, to, to, to work clock, to get things done, it's, it's a problem. It's funny and they don't have that. It's funny because uh, the two things that they really wanted to address were the run game and the pass rush. And the pass rush is 21st in sacks per play also. So statistically, they've not really fixed either one, though the pass rush is better than it was last year. Chadwick? I am not buying that the Dallas Cowboys are special in any way. I, I really like this team. I, I picked them to win that division, to be a playoff team. But the more I read about the Cowboys, this is probably me being a victim of the Cowboys being talked and written about everywhere at all times. I watched their performance against Denver 
and I see their history. I understand the history is a little bit broken because at one point or another, either Dak Prescott or Zeke Elliott have been broken and they haven't been fully healthy together uh, for an extended period of time. I'm just not buying that there's something special about this Cowboys team or this Cowboys offense. It's tough to not buy them, though, when you watch their offense whole. So I I understand that a lot of people say, hey, they're not going to stay healthy. They never do. Okay, like if you're going based on what I've said about Julio Jones, about how you know he's going to be off and on every week, I'll, I'll buy you on that because we have seen where the big three in Dallas normally get nicked and bruised this time of year. But they lead the league in points. They lead the league in yards per game, which means they possess the football, they run time of possession, and then they go score touchdowns, and their defense isn't on the field all that much. And maybe That is a, that is a remedy for maybe success. Maybe this is a believe-it-when-I-see-it scenario. What about this week in, I in Kansas see City? Them, I want to see them go and do it in the playoffs. What about this week in Kansas City? If they do... If they... If they if they go into Arrowhead and right now they're the underdog again, I need to see them win playoff games. That's probably an impossible standard that we're not going to know until the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, but just just with this with this core, it's one of those where Hutton, if they do it once, <laughs> if they go to an NFC Championship game one time with that core, then I'm then I'm buying it. I'm, I just can't buy into it right now. I uh, I'm not buying that the Browns are going to be. In it. How could you? I, I, I'm, I'm not even uh, thinking that they're going to sneak in the playoffs now. I mean, Baker just said he's the most beat up he's ever been. Jack Conklin's hurt. Kareem Hunt's hurt. Chubb's beat up. Uh, this a uh, run-the-football team uh, that that just can't hold it together. I, this is another team I want to believe in and I want to like. And I think they'd be very good if they were healthy. I think this team's been as hurt at key positions as anybody, the injuries are killing their identity, and uh, I, I don't think they can recover from it. Uh, mine is uh, watching the last two days of network TV, uh, not network TV, uh, cable TV, um, ESPN, Fox, trying to trying to stir the pot on Brady and the Bucks losing two straight. Tom Brady and Tampa Bay are going to be just fine. Here's why: twenty-seven touchdown passes to only seven interceptions on the season. They're going to protect the ball. He's going to lead the league in touchdown scores. And oh, by the way, he's only been sacked 12 times. His offensive line, he's not even hit. There are 29 other quarterbacks in the league that have been sacked more than Tom Brady. You can't get to him. And therefore, they're going to move the football. I'm not worried in the least about the defending Super Bowl champs moving forward and being in the mix, in the hunt to go back-to-back. I am not buying that Urban Meyer is not going to be successful in the NFL. I think uh, rumors of his demise were way over-exaggerated. And I think Jacksonville, they're still not good, but they're starting to play with a little bit of something now. The 9-6 to win over Buffalo, they're right there in the game against Indianapolis. Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. Urban Meyer's tied at the hip to Trevor Lawrence. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a good quarterback. And I think that they have drafted so high for so long, and they will again, that it's tough to screw that up in this league. And I think they're going to be competent enough where they're going to be fine, and because of that, Urban Meyer is going to be fine. I think Jacksonville is going to be a factor in the AFC South pretty soon. Maybe not next year, but it's going to happen. They're going to improve, and Urban Meyer is going to be just fine. And the narrative that he's done after that video is wrong. I think he's going to end up okay. 
I'm going to get destroyed for this one. I'm flipping on something that I was expecting to do, and I'm taking that stat I told you I had for later, okay. Hutton, and I'm using it now. I am not buying that Derrick Henry is the best running back in football. Derrick Henry carried 219 times for 937 yards before he got hurt. Jonathan Taylor has carried for 161 times for the exact same number of yards, 237 yards. Henry had 4.3-yard average. Taylor has a 5.8-yard average. This is over what span? Uh, it's over more games, but it's over fewer. I understand that the volume was higher for Henry, but Taylor in 161 carries has done the same thing that Henry did in 219 carries. He's got a 5.8 yard average, one less touchdown, more first downs. I understand it's not in as condensed period of time, but with fewer carries, he's matched the yardage and he's got over a yard more per carry. I think Jonathan Taylor's got a case uh, as a healthy back for being the best running back in football. Henry still leads the league in rushing yards right now. No, he's tied. Oh, he's exactly tied? That's what I'm saying. They're exactly tied with 40, Uh, 50, almost 60 fewer carries. I think you're crazy. And maybe I also look at this more from a lengthier body of work standpoint with Henry, and that may cloud my judgment in in the right now, but... But Derrick Henry, when healthy, is different than every other running back in the league. I'm it's just saying, not even close. Nearly 60 fewer carries, Paul, same yard. No, you, gonna, you've I'm got the stats to back it up. I'm going to help your argument. Jonathan Taylor's on the field on third down. I appreciate That's all that. you have to say. Yep. That's, all, that, that's what I lead with if I'm making the argument that someone other than Derrick Henry. I will that's counter that and say, I wish Derrick Henry was kept on the field on third down <laughs> when healthy. Well, we all do. And that and that's not that's not Derrick Henry's fault. <laughs> Even right now, I wish he was on the field. Third <laughs> yeah, down. right. Derrick Henry, wheel with, him out there. Derrick Henry with Put one on foot. Crutches. I'd prefer right. out there over Jeremy McNichols on third down. One foot, Derrick Henry. Uh, this is really a way of saying Jonathan Taylor has not gotten nearly enough hype for what he's done and doing. And I understand the Colts are sucky team and haven't panned out and everything. He's a he's having an extraordinary year. The Colts have like a fifty fifty chance of making the postseason. It's pretty crazy considering I know. where they are in the division. That'll be the most distant wild card. I wonder uh, in this year of interesting things if they'll be the most distant wild card ever if they do get in. Um, Matthew Stafford, as of two weeks ago, was an MVP candidate. And now the question, and I, I pulled this prior to saying that after two straight losses, I'm not worried about Tampa Bay. Matthew Stafford is exactly who he was in Detroit. In L.A., believe it or not. And if you pull the numbers, first three games, um, 70% passer, 9-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio in L.A. Since then, 66%, uh, 15 touchdowns to 7 interception. And if you remove the game he played against the Giants, 65%, 11 touchdown passes to 6 interceptions. In the last two games, they've been able, unable to push the ball down the field. They averaged just 6 yards per attempt in that L.A. offense over the last two games in the back-to-back losses. Teams are starting to figure out that McVay offense with Stafford. And I'm not saying they're not better with Stafford compared to Goff. That's not what I'm saying here. But Stafford, to me, is the same quarterback he was in Detroit. He's just now paired with Sean McVay, and he's getting all this hype. If you look at the numbers and what he did in Detroit and how he started seasons versus where he finished – 
It's very similar to the trend they're on right now. And he's not winning the Most Valuable Player Award. That's interesting. I like it. Uh, I am not buying that the taunting rule is the worst thing in the NFL right now. Um, I don't think it's the the worst thing in officiating right now. I don't like the rule. I think it's it's dumb. It wasn't needed. But I think it's far worse when I see that roughing the passer call on the Saints on Sunday against the Titans. It's far worse when I see a game decided by a complete BS helmet-to-helmet call in the Jets-Cincinnati game earlier this year. I think how the NFL treats the quarterback and how soft it's become around the quarterback and helmet-to-helmet at times, and also just how punitive a judgment call on pass interference is in the league when you throw a Hail Mary, when it's not 15 yards and it's a spot foul. Those calls to infuriate me more than any taunting call I've seen in the league this year. And again, I'm not a proponent for every taunting call should be called and it's damaging the core of American society for these kids to watch guys taunt each other. I don't think it's that big of an issue, but it's probably third on my list of problems in officiating. It's not the worst thing I've seen well, this year. The, the reason I would put it number one, Chad, is because it's completely fake in their reasoning behind it. Roger Goodell wants to point to sportsmanship as to why it's all about uh, taunting. When, when, Meanwhile, it's not fake with why they're protecting the quarterbacks because that's where their money is invested. That's why they want Tom Brady upright on game day. And they want teams to score points. They don't want teams defending the football very well. So the rules are stacked against the defense. At least I understand that. Their, their whole reasoning behind the taunting rule, staring at a sideline, is completely fake compared to how they handle other things off the field. That's why it's the, it's the worst I, I don't, rule in football. I don't know why. I guess just because they're being company men. I don't know why someone like Mike Tomlin is carrying the water for that, even on the competition committee. Mike Vrabel, too. I think, there's, there? I think there's a line of demarcation with them, though. I don't think staring at a sideline, like Cassius no, Mars doesn't, doesn't affect the bottom line of the league in any way. No, but they like, could help. At least help. I know why you, you protect the quarterback. But, but I mean, those guys could help and come out and say, I support the taunting rule, but I don't support enforcement. They never like say that. anything and, about and Mike Tomlin, they do. Keep in mind, Mike Tomlin's response about how this is a great rule <laughs> We're weeding this out for the youth of America, and they see what we're doing. That was in response to a question about Cassius, Cassius Marsh and his team right, right, in right. that game. That was an opportunity for him to say, the spirit behind the rule is right. I back that fully. We, we need to look at enforcement of it. and it's, it's indiv- Even if you just tiptoed around it, we really need to take a look at individual enforcement from penalty to penalty and not just have this blanket statement about how you're saving the children by having this taunting rule. I, I, I lose respect for Mike Tomlin when you carry the company line to that extent. Mike Vrabel, too, if you're going to back that stupid rule. Though he, he hasn't answered specifically to Cassish Marsh, and he, <laughs> and he wouldn't. Like, why would you ask him about a penalty in another game? He's not going to. But what do you think Mike Vrabel's going to say if that happened on the other side of his team? If it's his punter running past Marsh that's getting stared at, well, he's going to well, he say it's a great say, rule. He did say, I don't have to, uh, why should I have to challenge well, a catch in the middle of the field? Let, let's uh, unsportsmanlike conduct uh, in the Rams game, where it happened twice against Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, it really only pissed, happened once. And he was pissed about that. Yeah, but what did, he, what did he say? He said, well, uh, nobody told me that okay. they changed the okay. call. I mean, but he's not calling out the officials for just making up a rule in the middle of the game like they did. Because he's going to get fined for yeah, it. Yeah, right. 
I mean, the fine is a deterrent. The well, fine's look, supposed I, I to be know, a deterrent for And meanwhile, Cassius Marsh is also getting fined yeah. for it. Yeah. Well, and look, I, I know the... And Tony Corrente got some sort of penalty well, for, which we don't for know. hip checking, uh, but they so don't stupid. tell you. Yeah, they, they, just tell us. I, I know the Bears <laughs> coaches were mad about that call, and rightfully so. Uh, but there's also a reason that three different Bears coaches I saw yelling at Marsh on the sideline when he comes off the field yeah. to not do that again because they know. Deep just, down, they know that he put himself in that position. It, it was a bad call, but just don't do it. Just, just, just celebrate once and run off the field. It's, it's dumb. It's all dumb. Coming up, we get into some things, some predictions that we do expect. We're buying. Or, yeah, we're buying into. Um, crystal ball time for the NFL over the final month and a half of the season on OutKick 360. Three narratives we are buying across the NFL right now moving towards the end of the season. Maybe what, what we hope to see towards the end of the season. OutKick 360 rolls on. What's the word you used on the downside for Dallas, Chad? You said... Uh, Demise. Uh, the uh, you mean Jacksonville? No, no, Dallas for the Cowboys. You said you. Uh, I'm just looking for the word you used for not buying Dallas. He's selling. <laughs> At any rate, I think I said I'm not buying them. No. <laughs> I don't know. You used the word. Was I should have written down. I'm buying D- Dak Prescott. I think okay. Dak Prescott's going to wind up being MVP. He's got 20 touchdowns, five interceptions, uh, uh, highest rating in the league, I believe, one ten point eight. Fresh blood in a year where. I think Brady will be good. I agree with you there. But I, I think voters probably look for fresh blood out of this mishmash when Mahomes and Brady are not quite what they've been. Um, they are the top yardage offense, the top passing offense, and the top scoring offense in the league. I think those things are sustainable for the Dallas Cowboys. I have a feeling, you guys would agree, MVP is wide open right now. Wide right? open. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the MVP. Oh, here we are, right after week 10. He is coming off his best performance of the season. He was not sacked. He did not throw the, uh, turn the football over for the first time since week one. They have, uh, Kansas City right now has the best third-down offense in the NFL. They are going to continue to put up points. And I do buy that they are hitting on all cylinders at the right time right now. Because it's so open, like, Prescott has been very good. Kyler Murray, when healthy, has been very good. But because the – and, and Rodgers isn't winning because no one's going to vote for him this year. Uh, no fault of his own because he's going to play MVP-style football. Brady, too. I, I do think there's Brady fatigue with this vote. Again, not his fault. I think because of what Patrick Mahomes is about to do, and again, in the spirit of going full circle, the 360 from where we were in August to where we are now, and what Mahomes is about to do and take over in that division, what I'm predicting, I think he's the MVP. So these are things we believe by the end of the season will come true, right? Believe or want to see. I am buying the Patriots and Mac Jones, and I am buying that Mac Jones is going to show that Bill Belichick has his next Tom Brady. I'm not saying he's going to have Tom Brady's career. I'm saying he is going to be a career Patriot. Not a career Patriot because Brady's not. He's going to be there a long time and get them back to a Super Bowl and winning one at some point. And this is going to sound awful, but I don't care. Him twisting the leg of Brian Burns proves to me they have their next Brady. That was a competitive move that was dirty, that shows an edge, that shows a side of Mac Jones we never had to see at Bama. Two was not doing that. When he was dominating. 
Tua's not doing that. Tua's getting his leg twisted. Not many people. Uh, <laughs> right? Teddy Bridgewater's not doing that. No, he's not. Teddy Bridgewater's not trying to make a tackle. This guy got hit by a guy and reacted by trying to twist his lower leg from his knee. And for that reason, Mac Jones is the real deal. He is a competitor. He's a fiery dude. Uh, he is the next Brady for the Patriots. I'm buying it. Cooper Cup quietly has 1,141 receiving yards. This puts Cooper Cup on pace for 1,940 receiving yards in the first 17-game season. That is six yards off Calvin Johnson's record from 2012. Cooper Cup is going to set the all-time single-season receiving yard record, and it's going to set off a huge controversy about the 17-game schedule and the the 16-game. The first huge debate about an extra game for a record. That's a really good one. He's averaging 114 yards a game. Four of the last five, he's had 115 or more. Um, Here's one that I'm rooting for to happen. I... I want Aaron Rodgers to stay in Green Bay. I and, and all this talk about Pittsburgh going to be in the market, and you start to look around at all these. Different, I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers leave Green Bay. I want him to stay a Packer and retire a Packer. I, I want that to happen. It's still weird seeing Brady in Tampa. I realize the best players in the league. It's set up normally, except for quarterback. It's set up for your best players to get paid and leave in free agency. I don't want to see that here and. I'm hoping that over the next month and a half to two months, as they go through the postseason, and I have the Packers in the Super Bowl, I'm hoping that they figure things out and they come to some agreement to where we're not having to debate where this guy is going to play and play out the remainder of his Pro Football Hall of Fame career. I want him to stay with the Packers. Fourth on my list, Aaron Rodgers to Carolina. <laughs> That's one thing you, you buy? Yeah, I'm not using it. But. I'm going to go down to Carolina for my next one, Paul. Why, Cover my, your ears. Why would you want to go to Carolina if you're – anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you why he's not going to go. For this reason right here, Paul, cover your ears. Uh, Cam Newton is back. <laughs> oh, Superman. He's back, baby. Superman, Superman is back. Superman is back. This is the start of something special. This mix of what they're doing with him, with Christian McCaffrey returning, Cam Newton is going to get some shine this season – and he is eventually going to be a full-season starting quarterback again for the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton, baby, he was right when he said it. He's back. Titans are getting the number one seed in the AFC. Only legit competition is Buffalo and Baltimore. Buffalo's got the Colts at New Orleans, New England at Tampa Bay, Carolina at New England. Baltimore's got Cleveland at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, Green Bay at Cincinnati, the Rams, Pittsburgh. Their schedules are just way tougher. Arizona, I, I said the Bills are not built for January. Arizona is. They have the number one third down uh, offense, the number one third down defense. Or excuse me, they're both top 10 in those categories. Arizona's offense, though, uh, they have the second best or third best offense in the red zone and getting touchdowns to field goals, third best in the league, second best red zone defense. That paired together translates to a Super Bowl run to L.A., Kyler Murray is going to get healthy. That offense is going to be just fine. I'm buying Arizona built for the postseason because third down and red zone matter, and Arizona is the best at it. I don't have much time left in this segment. I don't need much time. Uh, Russell Wilson's done in Seattle. Uh, all of the, the offseason angst that's built up to this, the injury coming back from it too soon, that's on him. Um, he's done, and I think that Russell Wilson's going to go somewhere else and take that team to a Super Bowl at some give, point. Give him the Carolina if Arizona's not going. 
That's how you do can't it. Can't do that when Cam Newton's back, Paul. <laughs> That's how you can't do it. Can't do it when Cam Newton's back. That's how you crush two segments with a good idea. Russell Wilson, go to Pittsburgh. That's how you debate. <laughs> that is how you debate right there. That's how you get it that done. That was fun. Coming up. I, right, think all pretty, I think they were all pretty good. Play us oh, out yeah. now. We'll there do we it go. live. We're getting played out. Titans and Texans, Vrabel and Tannehill both talk today. Paul gives us news and notes from Titans practice when we return, and we'll, we'll dive into some thoughts on the Texans as they come to Nashville this week and the 8-2 and two Titans trying to continue their lead with the number one seed in the AFC. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Hang with us.